Welcome to show 13 of the C-Suite podcast series. I'm Russell Goldsmith, and this week we're recording a podcast on podcasting. And the aim uh, of today's show is to find out how brands can make the most out of this medium um, that seems to have had a bit of a resurgence over the last 12 months or so. Joining me in the studios of Marketeers 4DC are three fellow podcasters. Firstly, I'm delighted to welcome Neville Hobson. Uh, he of more than 800 shows on the Hobson and Holtz report, uh, which is part of the FIR network that he launched with Shell Holtz. Um, although Neville has actually just hung up his mic after uh, 10 years of podcasting, meaning we've got the exclusive first interview with him after his final FIR show. So uh, looking forward to finding out more about that. Um, my other guests are at the very other end of their podcasting experience, mere babes with their 18 episodes of the Innovation Ramble that launched a few months ago. So welcome also to Tom Ollerton, who is also Marketing and Innovation Director at We Are Social, and Alistair Cole, who is Chief Innovation Officer at Partners Andrews uh, Aldridge. Um, now, we'll also be hearing from Rachel Miller, who produces her own podcast on on internal comms so that's coming up later as well and as always please do share any comments you may have about today's show on twitter using the hashtag hash c-i-p-r-c suite neville what the hell are you doing retiring from the hobson and holtz report just as podcasting seems to be becoming more popular than ever it does seem a bit of an odd time doesn't it but uh, there's never a right time i don't think I, I just didn't want to do it anymore i'd had enough 10 years was plenty for me to hang up the uh, the hat uh, shell's continuing with the network developing it big He's launching a new show next week that's called simply For Immediate Release. And that's a totally different format, but it uh, replaces the one that he and I did for 10 years. So uh, looking forward to listening to that one. Yeah. Well you, well, you say 10 years. I mean, obviously, a long time. Yep. Do you, how do you see that the medium has, has developed since you Oh, you completely. It's, it's mainstream now. It, it's, uh, in the United States is where the big developments have taken place, I think, where you're seeing um, uh, thousands and thousands of podcasts of different types, ranging from you know a couple of guys like Shell and me, to very slick uh, operations run by companies. The media has them here. The media has them as well, but it never quite took off the same in the UK as it did in America. Uh, we could spend the rest of the show talking about the reasons for that. Largely, a lot to do with um, the awful radio they have in the US compared to here. Uh, we have pretty good radio here, so there wasn't the same compulsion to to seek an alternative. So uh, it's a different uh, dynamic, but it certainly has moved along a lot in 10 years. That's sure. Okay, well, well, we'll come back to yeah. that, as, as you say, because there's there's lots of things that I want to sort of pick up on in terms of helping to, to enhance and, and sort of like, you know, uh, spread the, the, the message in terms of getting podcasting uh, listened to more right. by, by more people. So we'll come back to that. But Tom and Alistair, let's bring you in here at, at, at this stage. Um, firstly, as you know, I'm a big fan of the show. So it's delighted that you could uh, both join us today. Um, what was the idea behind launching the innovation ramble well tom and i had just started in new innovation roles and having innovation a title was a little bit scary uh and we kind of were a little bit uh, lost about how to start with this so there's a lot of pressure there <laughs> a dangerous title like innovation um a bit of ambiguity about that role as well you put those two together and it's uh, a, a bit of a, a fearful state so um we were kind of looking for some mutual support yeah i think i'd been moaning about it to uh, a friend of mine about it's great having innovation in the title but not really not really knowing exactly what to do and then charlie was like oh i've had exactly the same conversation with al you should have a coffee so we had a coffee and i was like i want to do a podcast and i was like brilliant let's get on with it fantastic so um who comes up with the weekly topics of uh, I, I suppose i should explain to listeners you know the innovation ramble you talk about uh, you pick a different topic each week and talk about the innovation within that but yeah so who's choosing the topics each week well, we try to be relatively clever and use some kind of like SEO skills and try to pick on something that's happening, be it a sporting event or like the anniversary of someone's death. We did addiction around the time of, uh, well, on the same day that Amy Winehouse had died. Um, but it's not just about that. It's 
around being kind of provocative as well. Yeah, we're looking for interesting content, stuff that's shareable that people want to listen to, you know, um, depending on uh, whether we're talking about, you know, sex wearables, 3D printed prosthetics for kids. We're looking for content that's going to uh, engage and, and entertain. Sure. So actually, Neville, just in terms of what you were doing with the FIR, how were you picking your, your topics and, and choosing? Was it just what happened to be in the news or how much research was going on? Uh, quite a bit, but on a, on a kind of a daily basis of things that Shell and I would notice uh, as part of our own curiosity interest on the topics we were interested in happened daily. It didn't uh, involve a huge amount of time. It's stuff we came across. You'd bookmark it and then pick uh, the topics that were relevant to the audience. Uh, and most of the audience were in one form or another communicators. Yeah. So strong tech um, the things Tom and, uh, and Alistair mentioned, those are the kind of things we would talk about too, but with an angle on what it means for business communicators. Yeah. So um, it was an ongoing process, but it didn't take a huge amount of time. Okay, well, we're coming back to Tom, Tom and Al. In, in true innovation ramble style, I'm assuming you've come here with some anecdotes about podcasting, because I know you like to sort of talk about the history and a, and a few things about your topic. Yeah, we do the history, the science, and and, and bring some stories. Uh, there have been a few moments, haven't there, Tom? Uh, yeah, over the last few months, it's more anecdotes about how not to do podcasting. Really, <laughs> um, I mean, first of all, we record it in a champagne tasting room, which is sounds really plush, Fab. but actually, it's, <laughs> no, like it's not that glamorous. A really like dimly lit room, um, to the point at which we can barely see each other, surrounded by champagne bottles next to international trains arriving. So it's probably the worst scenario, but it's free. Yeah, and uh, they creates a bit of there. atmosphere, though, doesn't it? Yeah, and they and they look after us pretty well. You know, they stay. We we get a breakfast on the house. We're kind of mentioning them. You know, we're talking about sponsorship here today. Um, but sometimes it, it you know things don't go according to plan. I remember one episode in particular, <laughs> the happiness episode. Um, I'd had very little sleep as a result of new children, and I was miserable as sin. So trying to put on a smiley face and talk about how how innovation can make you happier was a bit of a challenge. Which it was good, but then we did a whole episode where I hadn't pressed record, which was quite good. Okay. So. Well, you see, that's that's why I have the benefit here of our engineer Rupert in in the corner there um, recording our show. See, stick, keep with the professionals to to help you. Um, you had the backing of the drum, which I'm 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 guessing uh, has given you some decent exposure in in our industry. How did that come about? I know Dave Burst, who is the editor at large, and I just we went for out for a beer uh, and just had a bit of a natter, and I was like, oh, we're doing this thing called the Rumble. He's like, can you do that regularly? I was like, I do. And he said, well, like, why don't you come in and have a chat about it? And we said, look, when you launch on iTunes, you get a kind of eight-week window to try and make an impact on the new and noteworthy section, which is the kind of billboard top 100 of new podcasts, I guess. Um, so we said, look, can we do an eight-week thing? And they said, would you consider doing a video version as well? We're like, any chance to show off? Of course, we'll take that. So they'd sent um, a lovely guy called Sam Scott down, who's the head of video, and he kind of said, set us up showed us how to do it so yeah it's been brilliant we've done like eight episodes but a video version as well but my did, did you see a big impact that 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 had having someone like the drum you know giving it a push I do, actually in terms of number of downloads no in terms of like the kind of kpi of us building our profiles internally and externally absolutely like a huge amount of people coming up going you're all over the drum, mate. Yeah. All over, mate. <laughs> yeah. Why are you, what are you doing? Who's that bloke? What's that all about? What's the innovation ramble? So that has been brilliant. But in terms of driving actual downloads, I don't think it's sure. been massively successful. Okay. But it's performed well on yeah. their site. More views than Smart and Sorrel. Yeah, absolutely. Boss. 
<laughs> no, he's not. He's, he's not. not. He's not. I mean, we would talk about job offers a bit later, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, I was certain we've learned a huge amount. You know, having them in come in and, and that changed it from being just audio to um, including video as well was really yeah. interesting. Great to see how different topics and different content elements play out better. Um, interesting that the kind of socially acceptable vices of sex and addiction made up about 79% of our 6,500 views on YouTube. So we're kind of taking that feedback, feedback from people at the agency and looking uh, with the drum now about, you know, what's next? How do we iterate, innovate with the, with the show sure. um, and looking at new formats and new bits of content? I think ultimately the thing for me is the mistake that we've made is that podcasting is a long form format. You know, you're on, uh, on a commute, you're on a wash, you're, yeah. you know, changing the kids' nappies, whatever it is. But video, especially YouTube, yeah. that's short form. And it's got to be punchy, it's got to be quick. And so watching me and Al bang on about um, relationship innovations for, for 30 minutes isn't necessarily the greatest TV, but the next iteration of it will be a, a lot more a lot more quick and snappy. Sure. Okay, all right. Um, well, the purpose of today uh, was really to explore how brands can get involved in podcasting. So um, now there's obviously different ways they can do that, be that sponsoring existing content or creating shows of their own, like you know we're doing here and you guys obviously do. Um, Neville, what's your thoughts on where they should start? It's a, a very good question. And of course, the answer has to start with it depends. It depends entirely on what is the goal, what, why are you getting involved in this? So um, it, it can range from... Um, uh, a brand creating a podcast themselves about their brand or things associated with their brand that they think there's an audience for. It could be individuals like we have in the room here who have some ideas and a desire to talk about this. Um, but however you do it, you've got to start with the simple answer to the question, which sounds so obvious, why are you doing this? What is your goal? What are you trying to achieve with this? Is it build up your your brand whether it's an actual brand or a personal brand is it to get exposure is it to uh, over time perhaps be um, seen as a subject matter expert on something uh, is it to build huge audience is it to make a lot of money so uh, these are all questions you must answer before you start it sounds so obvious doesn't it yet so many people just jump into doing a podcast and then get disappointed when they're mm. not making a fortune and they're up there on itunes so yeah. you have to answer a fundamental question which is the answer to the question why that's a that's a really fascinating point, Neville. Tom and I have spent a lot of time and a lot of weeks poring over what is our purpose. We kind of go back to it again and again. Who's the audience? Why are we doing this? And it's that's not an easy task. We spent a you know a fair number of hours trying to trying to nut that out because we realised it's uh, it's pretty important. I, I think I would add to it as well. So I think today in 2015, this this is now a wholly different landscape to what it was when Shell and I started our show ten years ago in 2005, where now. You are in on the same uh, place, really, as, as say, a radio station, uh, as a sophisticated mainstream medium, where if you're looking to start something, you've got to have a plan, literally, a detailed, scoped-out plan, particularly if you want to attract a sponsor. You've got to have the ROI projections. You've got to have all this stuff that's, that marketers love. Um, homebrew aficionados are starting out something for the informality of it. It doesn't it's not likely to succeed and you can get an idea of that just look on iTunes there are thousands of podcasts yeah. and that's what you're competing with but but it'll be interesting to know how many of those have sponsors uh, um, I would say you, you know, could probably count on less than two hands yeah. I mean uh, I mean, well, well, it's interesting because what, what you could argue what's created this resurgence in podcasting is, is arguably that incredible success of Serial you know which for anyone who isn't aware of that yeah. you know where, where have you kind of been but uh, you know that was a spin-off of, of This American Life, which is a radio show and podcast, again, in, in the US. Mm. Uh, that particular show had a sponsor in MailChimp, 
Now, of course, not every brand is going to get as lucky as you could argue they did, because you know when it comes to sponsoring a show, I, I read an article in Vanity Fair last week by Sarah Ellison where she uh, wrote that the co-creator of Serial, Julia Cinder, is it, um, hoped for about three hundred thousand do- downloads when they launched, and and as the CPM for the sponsor slot was sold to Mailchimp before they knew how valuable they would be, they believe they've lost out. Uh, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, huge number in terms of unrealized revenues. The podcast has since been downloaded over 97 million times. Um, now, according to the uh, to the article, um, she said we'd love it if it was possible to go on a tens of millions of uh, in revenue of a podcast. But as things stand now, that's impossible. We're still just a podcast. So I guess where I'm leading to is whether you can perhaps give any insight into how sponsorships are being negotiated on podcasts, what brand owners should be looking to achieve by way of an ROI. Of course, you know, no one can expect anything like serial numbers, but you know, has that set an unrealistic uh, expectation? What, what do you think, Tom? I, I think the brands are really missing a trick if they're looking for that kind of killer CPM. And it, I think, you know, cereal's just an anomaly, really. But I think the biggest opportunity... But, but, but the thing is with cereal, everyone now wants... A cereal, cereal. Yeah, yeah, well, and that's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> which, which was a year's work with like 15 of the top radio people on the planet putting yeah. it together. Like. Yeah. But I, I think the opportunity for brands is to innovate with the format. I think trying to stick your ad at the beginning or the middle of the end of a podcast, I mean, great, you might get a cereal, you might get a tenth of the cereal, that's great. But what I suggest that brands should be doing is creating their own content because it's relatively cheap to do. We're not talking about long-form TV. We're talking about long-form audio. Uh, a brand could spot an opportunity in the podcast market, be it a, a tech company, tech products, and they could produce a podcast, do a pilot. If no one downloads it, it means it's, it's wrong. You pivot, you iterate, you change, and you do it again. And so you could roll out 10 different podcasts on 10 different subjects and then look at the data. What's what's connecting with people? What's hitting? So therefore, I think that's a much, much better opportunity for brands. Yeah, that seems like it's the the right kind of approach. Um, there's a huge content landscape out there. People are going to be talking about content in audio form and others over the next 12 months. I do have a concern that we're, we're, we're going to be seeing a lot of substandard content. I think a lot of brands are going to be scrabbling <laughs> to, to do something. <laughs> no, that's a guaranteed. Um, a lot of brands are going to be looking to put their foot into this market and create content. And I'm sure that they'll be making decisions that um, are not necessarily founded. They're looking to do something because they feel like they need to do something, they need to be seen to be doing something. Um, and so I'm sure we're going to see a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that is unlistened to, unwatched and, and unread. Which applies to anything these days. Uh, native avatar. I mean, all this, all this, these shifts in the, in the landscape, let's say, of who is a publisher, who is a consumer, where the, ed- the edges are blurring between all of that. And in, in that sits podcasting. You said a very interesting thing, Russ, about everyone wants theirs to be like serial. And, and that is actually part of the problem we're seeing right now, I think, which is that there's this sudden awareness of podcasting. Hey, I can do something like this and make a lot of money. And a lot of people are thinking that way. That's leading. And I've seen this in the States. Has, I haven't seen it here so much, but in America... Uh, you've now got um, what I call the League of Snake Oil Salesmen appearing in podcasting, where everyone is offering a plan. This is how, you know, sign up with me and I can make you a successful podcaster. You will make a fortune. It'll only cost you 500 bucks kind of thing. Or a lot of those things are emerging now. But it, it comes down to, in my opinion, like everything, content. It comes down to you have the most compelling content you tell a phenomenal story. There's something about you that's different to those guys over there. And you've got a package that appeals to a sponsor 
who is not looking for the next cereal. The sponsor is looking for something he or she is willing to associate his or her brand with in a way that reaches that niche audience they're looking at. Because podcasting, if you think about social media, is not about mainstream media type numbers. It's not about newspaper circulation figures, the hundreds of thousands of this. It's about the 97 people who are interested in this topic and we can reach them with our podcast that happens to have a brand associated with it. So I would say brands, for me certainly, would be more likely to be satisfied with something if they thought like that about a podcast rather than thinking about the mega numbers and rolling out with all the slick ads and and pre-rolls and all that kind of stuff, which we are seeing a big trend towards, by the way. Uh, it doesn't have to be like that if you want to be authentic. That, that's my strong feeling on it. And I, I build on that, Neville, by saying brands looking to, um, to steal a phrase, um, scratch their own itch is the right place to go. Looking to to find something that actually they're genuinely passionate about. I mean, right. it comes back to purpose. It's what you said at the at the top of the show. They can find that purpose irrespective of how large the audience. Yeah. It could build. It will grow. The quality will be there. So, um, and I think that that's where they should be looking. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you're talking about creating your own sort of content and your own style. And you know, we I mean, we're three podcasters here um three i'd say you know both all, all within sort of a b2b arena but three very different styles of show I, I, you know in terms of like you know i'm sitting here in a, in a professional studio you guys do it and, and i love the fact that it's in st pancreas and <laughs> in, in, in the champagne bar Brilliant. you did yours at home in the uk with shell uh, over in the us yep. so, you know so three very different styles of of content um it, any decent other examples that you could give, you know, ours aside, obviously, you know, any other any other sort of podcasts that you can think of that you could recommend listeners to have a listen to so that they can, A, first of all, get some great content to listen to sure. themselves, but also get a feel for the kind of different things that you can do within podcasting? Uh, Yes, I can. And of course, this would sound like a shameless plug for the FIR Podcast Network, of which it is, of course. There are 24 podcasts now in that network. And each of them is a completely different style. The topics are obviously different, but the presenters have their own personalities. The lengths are different. Some are 10 minutes, some are an hour. Uh, We have a sole UK member of that network. That's Rachel Miller, uh, who does her show, All Things I See, as part of the network. Uh, she's currently on a hiatus because of uh, children, new children arriving uh, late last year. Uh, but she'll be back doing it. But to pick any of those shows. Um, some of them are PR specific. Uh, some are related to things like uh, how to how to work LinkedIn well for your benefit of networking, stuff like that. Um, there's some educational communication podcasts. There's a whole range. But if you listen to them with the with the ear of the style, the delivery. How does it seem? How how does the podcaster sound? Is he or she um, sound interesting to listen to? They're all very different. And I'd recommend just pick the network and take a listen. Uh, I think for me, personal favourites would be a huge part of podcasting, which is storytelling. Uh, there's a, a a network called Radiotopia, which is yeah. all focused around um, storytelling podcasts. There's one called The Truth, and they do a kind of 15 minute podcast every two or three weeks. But this is full audio. You know, this is full sound design, and it's just incredible experiences. I'm not going to sell them short by trying to replicate one of them now. But then you've got podcasts like The Moth, which are you know, there's a storytelling. Uh, social culture in the states where people will go out to listen to stories it's just a much smaller deal here so got brilliant stories amazingly told um, so yeah there any, go to Radiotopia Google that and I think any of those are incredible Al any favourites of yours? Yeah I'm <laughs> 
The Football Ramble is a, is a big favourite of mine. It's a podcast that's been going for about eight years, uh, over a thousand ratings, uh, four and a half stars on iTunes, something we, we dream about. Um, and what I love about I'm, them is... I'm up to eight ratings at the moment. How are you doing? <laughs> In that ballpark. So, so the Football Ramble just started with, with four guys. You know, firstly, they did scratch their own itch. There wasn't a podcast um, yeah. for, for, for football of, of this nature. Four guys sat around the table talking about it. It's evolved over time. And now, unsurprisingly, a lot of brands are trying to copy that. You know, there are a lot of uh, mimicry out there. And um, it's just evolved. And these individuals didn't have a profile beforehand, but it's they found a niche. They've worked at it. They've innovated around the content. And I think it's a really great story of how they've kind of come from from nowhere to now one of the most popular podcasts Mm. um, on the planet. And interesting, the time with brands there is I actually know Jim Campbell, who is part of the the, the football ramble. I used to be his boss at my old agency, weirdly, and he came in. He's like, "I want to be a, an intern at your agency." I was like, "Okay." So I do this thing called the football ramble, and I'm like, yeah, it's bigger than the BBC's football show. And I, was like, I couldn't believe it. Now he's off, off doing comedy, but every agency I've worked in since then has got in guys from the football ramble to do content, or you know, whether that be video or you know, featuring on the podcast. So. I'll give a plug to two that I listen to. One, um, as a Spurs fan, I listen to the Spurs show, uh, which Playback Media do, which is which is really good, and uh, wag the. Yeah, people just off yeah, no, that's sorry, probably true. You've... Actually, now I won't talk about the content then. and and uh, wagged it off the dog FM, which is uh, a that's business, good. yeah, which is which is another. I mean, I d- just to jump in with a British one, I do listen to is a podcast called Engaging Brand by a podcaster called Anna Farmery, up in the Midlands area, and she's been, been going for nearly ten years as well. So the Engaging yeah. Brand, that's a good one. Okay, well, uh, Neville, you gave me a, a good link earlier, which I sh- could have jumped on, but I thought I thought I'd wait while we were sort of finishing off that uh, little discussion. But um, you mentioned Rachel Miller, and I yeah. caught up with Rachel uh, last week actually so i started by asking her what is key for organizations to make podcasts work from an internal cons perspective and and whether uh, they need to get you know the professionals in or encourage their own staff to produce them so i think in the same way that with videos it used to be you get the professionals in and you get a big studio and you get a green screen you spend lots of money um that was the way that you did video and then now it's okay to use your phone and to create very short snappy videos and share them internally and i think the same is true of audio content i think the very best examples i've seen and the very um, best example that i would give would be or advice i would give is create your own content so encourage your employees to use their own devices to you know, use a telephone, record a message. It doesn't have to be this big budget production anymore to create a piece of content that comes from your employees, for your employees, by them. You know, it's all about being having real conversations. So rather than having the comms team scratching their head and having these voiceover artists and doing this big polished production, I think the most effective pieces of information and communication inside organisations are employee-generated. So encourage your your employees to do it themselves, I think. So, so on that note, what kind of content should they be looking to include and how often should they be producing it? I think it depends what you want to achieve. I think if you have um, a launch of something, say you're you know, a retail organisation and it's your new season and you have information that you wish to share with employees, then clearly there's a market and there, there's room to have a recorded piece of information that you can share with them so it's consistent and it's reliable and it's accurate. So everybody knows the same information. But the downfall to that is that it's not two-way. So it's a real old, old way of thinking in terms of its broadcast communication. So I think the best way to, to use podcasts internally is to have them as part of an integra- integrated comms campaign. So if you are launching a new line, if you are launching a new season of clothes, podcasts should be just one way of sharing information and then you should have calls to actions for employees to record their own information back or their responses 
back. Um, in terms of how frequently to do it, it depends, again, massively what the appetite is. So I think experiment, try once a week, try once a month, see what the appetite is like. So rather than the comms team deciding we need to do podcasting, have a chat with your employees, see, see what they think. Great, thanks very much for uh, joining the show. Pleasure, thank you for inviting me on. As Rachel Miller there of All Things I See. Um, okay, as listeners to the show will know, I'm constantly asking people to rate and review the series on iTunes. Uh, as I mentioned just before, I think I'm up to eight uh, ratings. So please, please, please give us some ratings and uh, and reviews that will help us up the uh, the iTunes charts. But um, I know Tom and Alistair, obviously you're, you're, you're doing the same at the top of your shows. What's really surprised me is just how many people, uh, especially given the industry we're in, have said, oh, I don't have an iTunes account. Um, so obviously we're on iTunes, uh, we're on SoundCloud. Um, you know, I, I get a few places to take the content. They, you know, they embed it for me as well. But any tips for brands looking to maximise the reach of their content? Who wants to take this first? Let's go to Neville. Well, um, I could throw in a couple of ideas here, but you mentioned iTunes. And I think iTunes is the single most important place to have your podcast. So whatever you, whatever you want to do, uh, in, our, in the case of the uh, Four Immediate Release podcast, the Hobson Hoss Report, we found, I, I would say, probably 85% of all downloads came via iTunes. Uh, easily beating out any other place where you could get the show, including uh, uh, downloading it from the uh, show notes on the web uh, on, the, on the website, for instance. So uh, iTunes is is, a, is an important place, I think, as a delivery point for your show, as opposed to the place for interaction and engagement. We never encouraged that. Uh, we always had our own domain. That's where the interaction happened, and in fact, we uh, we have a community place that happens to be on Google Plus. You know, one of the one of the few success stories of Google Plus is vibrant community. Um, uh, doesn't take place on iTunes at all, and so iTunes is seen purely as a delivery mechanism. So you you subscribe, it comes on your iPhone. That's all you care about. You don't care about ratings or conversations or comments there. You go to the, to, to the other place for that kind of thing, and we encourage that. So um, iTunes is the place, but there's also uh, again depending on uh, on who you are and how you're doing your podcast, the the actual place you host. The MP3 files, if it's a commercial service, uh, they will promote your show, depending on who they are. We, we always use Libsyn, which is a place just for podcasts. And we've used them for the 10 years we were doing it. And they were really great in promoting the show. They built an app and all that stuff. So you could think about your own app for delivery. So uh, much depends on what you want to do in terms of how you want to interact with your audience, what you want to encourage. You mentioned ratings. The only thing I'd say about ratings is that we never worried about ratings. We, we never bothered too much. Some people left. I think we've got like eight for the whole ten years we're doing the show on iTunes, but we didn't care. But I think much. I think the ratings help you up the the charts, which I know you guys have. have yeah, for... it's it's like SEO really for getting up uh, new and noteworthy. It's it's comments, stars, rating. So and, in terms and... of getting discovered and downloaded for new listeners, yeah, we never paid any attention to that. Right. Uh, but maybe we should have. Well, I mean, the, I mean, this is what the research told me, sure. and and you're the bit of conventional wisdom that we haven't been able to take advantage of, that we will shortly, is. Um, your guests' email databases. So if you've got a f famous guest on the show, then you say, like, do you mind just mentioning to your email database that you've been on the show and with a link to drive through? Got actually, it. far more than Twitter, actually. Which, obviously, you three will be promoting today's show massively right. for me. You, <laughs> 50 people. It's, <laughs> a, it's, it's a given, Russ. It's a given. Yeah. Actually, it's, about you. that's an interesting point because promoting the show, uh, we were... Uh, assiduous in doing that. Uh, we use a tool called Gagalamp, which is a, a, an enterprise level. It's aimed at large organizations mostly. That, that The name, it amplifies 
messaging in your across your social networks so other people communicate to their networks and it's automated it's phenomenal um, and so you'll see for instance uh, in my own twitter timeline and in facebook and on google plus and linkedin these messages would appear uh, frequently at different times you can program them when they go out to a schedule and stuff like that and they it proves to be very very useful in click-throughs to the destination of the link that's there that takes people typically to either a show notes page or to a place where they can download the mp3 file or listen to it there and then so that kind of um of marketing activity across social channels as opposed to traditional methods was something we spent a lot of time on developing and it paid off in terms of brand awareness if you will uh, the goal wasn't necessarily to build listenership, i.e. to drive downloads of the show. It's to build brand awareness so people would talk about it to their networks, and that happened consistently. Mm -hmm. So I, I notice in the U.S. particularly, m most other podcasters that I pay attention to and talk to do a similar thing. It's usually via social channels. Uh, so that um, – uh, and the brand is part of the process of that if they have sponsors. So uh, many of the shows that I know about in America who do have sponsors, uh, most of them aren't big brands that we're all familiar with. They could be, you know, the small, you know, the small five-store coffee chain in a small town who sponsor a podcast. They're, they're literally that level. And so the intimacy uh, of the relationship is, is quite good. And it all, all feels very informal and personal. So that level works well. When you scale it to the kind of big enterprise level, big brands getting involved, it becomes a bit mainstream well, media like well, in that sense. Actually, talking of brands getting involved, sure. you know, so, so earlier we... we we gave a couple of examples of podcasts that we like and we shared. Have, have you got any decent examples of brands that have got in, you know involved in maybe creating their own content? Tom does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is one I just absolutely love to hate. Um, Quaker Oats. Okay, fine. Okay. Quaker yeah. Oats. Um, they did a podcast called Love Mondays FM with George and Larry Lamb. Uh, they did two episodes of that, and oh my god, it's you know, it's literally Good. just like oh. driving a car into a brick wall. <laughs> um, I mean, no disrespect to the guys, obviously, paid to do it, but within 30 seconds, they're going, Well, you know, Larry, a great breakfast is a great way to start the day. And this guy's going, Yeah, yeah, okay, let's go on with the show. It's just horrendous, but they tried it, you know, and they did, they clearly know and downloaded it, so they can do it. So I do respect them for having a go, but it was. Sure. There, there are loads of examples like that of, of almost cringeworthy uh, efforts, uh, particularly. I'm, in I'm just in a panic now that you mentioned something that was recorded in these no. studios. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> just like, I'm suddenly getting a kind of like. Every, <laughs> everyone is trying to figure this stuff out, and some people are naturally good at it, some aren't. Uh, like all forms of communication, there are some things people try they really shouldn't. Uh, and so it's, it, podcasting is in there as well. Uh, I, I'm not sure of many, uh, none come to mind in the UK, unfortunately, of brands who are well, who are good at this. I don't know whether you guys know any, but brands who are associated with podcasting, none come to mind. Oh, so you've got some thoughts. No, I, I, none come to my mind either. But I have to admit, when we started with the Innovation Ramble, it was cringeworthy, you know, for the first few takes, the first few episodes, <laughs> as we we're trying to Ours find our purpose, too. find yeah. our voice. Um, it was hard going. And I have to admit, yeah. if I was a brand today, I would certainly be looking to leave my brand name and identity out of it and have a play in, in, a, in, a, in a sandbox area where, you know, could be no comeback and I could experiment with content and format and stuff. Mm. That's definitely how I'd be starting. Okay. All right. Well, we've, we've been rambling and chatting for uh, <laughs> over uh, half an hour here. So I, I just want to finish off with, with something that's close to uh, Tom and Al's, uh, Alistair's hearts, uh, in terms of innovation. What, what innovations have you seen in podcasting and, and how big do you think this, this medium can get? I'll, I'll start with you guys over here. 
Well, one great little innovation I've got, and I found this last night, actually. Uh, John Burke had shown me Good this. Good to come and, prepared. And this is uh, called Castomatic. And what these guys, the app does is, I mean, you can do this on the, the iTunes native podcast app, but what it does is it you can fast forward so it goes plays quicker. So if you've got like an hour-long show, it's about the news and you just kind of want to get through it, you can put it at 1.5 speed or 2, two speed. But what it also does is has this... Uh, this filter where it blocks out any spaces where people are umming or erring, so it just crams it all together. And it is so amazing that it shows you how much time you've saved by using it. So if it's a, if you've listened to ten minutes of raw audio, it goes, you have saved five minutes, and it's just ridiculous I, efficiency. That's so that to me sounds That's like brilliant. a brilliant innovation, but doesn't it sad that how <clears> we're so desperate to save the few minutes in our day? it's like you're screaming for books so if I, I don't know if I'm going to like a podcast so I'll stick it on double speed and I'll just cane through <laughs> you know, 20 minutes and go oh actually no this is brilliant Like if it's poetry or a story you slow it down but if it's I don't know uh, Tech Tent on the BBC and they're talking about the new iPad I don't, I don't need to listen to the nuance and the, the timbre yeah. of the voices I just need to oh right it's that big it does that that battery life isn't very good what a surprise etc <laughs> I think there is a um, there is a danger there that we are looking at you know fast forward stuff. I'd love to see the podcast equivalent of of spritz. Spritz is a, a method for consuming up to a thousand words a minute on your mobile or on your on your wearable. Basically, just re speaks that or that you can read the book, but the, the the words stay in the same place and they just flick through. There is a question then about whether you actually taking it in, which I guess you would have with yeah. the podcast too. So, are you enjoying the experience? Or I, I I get what you're saying. It's like if if it's information driven and I just need to get the info. Then, then that makes sense. But you want to enjoy it, don't you? Sorry, Al. Yeah, you, you do. Um, in terms of innovations, I mean, this may not be particularly innovative. We're relatively new, in, well, I am, into the podcast world. Um, I love the concept on uh, No Such Thing as a Fish, where they kind of record everything live. They take questions at the beginning, and it feels like um, that's an area I'd like like to play with, um, you know, doing it on a, on, a, on a live, in front of a live studio audience. Yeah. Um, whether we'll get buy-in from my, my co-founder or not, I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you who's an, an, a legend. Have you heard Hardcore History by Dan Carlin? No. He's, he basically talks through big historical events, right? And so I just, I just flicked on iTunes last night and his last show which is episode 8 of Blueprint for the Armageddon is a monster 4 hours and 16 minutes of him just talking it is an astonishing podcast I mean you're going I don't know who's got time to sit around and listen to 4 hours you, you, you hit the pause button you hit the pause button and come back to it Neville come on. yeah, yeah I was going to say things, you must have seen things change well, over 10 years of podcasting what I'd like to see is is now some serious technical innovation with regard to the file the audio file MP3 is the standard. It's been a standard now for well over a decade. Yet it is um, a, a, a uh, an item that you can't do anything with. You can't search it. Uh, you can't uh, do many things with it that you would like to do. That would, in fact, probably elevate this medium uh, into far more of a dynamic medium than it currently is. Currently, it's there's a file, you stream it, uh, you pause it. Uh, Apple has a proprietary format that lets you slice and dice audio into chapters and stuff like that, but that's a proprietary format. So you want something that is searchable, uh, that enables you to manipulate the file in ways that you can't do. Currently, it's just a static file document that appears on your computer or your mobile device or whatever. Plus, <laughs> seeing it... Uh, uh, designed for mobile. So what we're doing in this studio today is not the future. The future is mobile, where you're recording something, you publish it, that's it. 
no editing, none of that stuff. Uh, and the, the younger generation is upcoming who are the ones with these devices. They all come with the tools to do that. That's the future. You've you got a bit more time on your hands now that you're not recording <laughs> podcasts. Get, get a bit of investment going and, yeah. and, and away you go. No, there's a thought. <laughs> oh, sorry. I wonder if that innovation might come from somebody like a Google. You know, maybe we need right. to, to lobby them. You know, they're, I think, one uh, 25% of the way through digitizing the 130 million books on the planet. If we could get them interested in this new audio format and how your automatic categorization and, and cataloging of audio content. Um, so maybe there's a target for a future um, podcast. But I think there's a tension there between what's frustrating about podcasts and what's brilliant about podcasts. The fact that on your audience who are listening to this, they can't just click with the innovation ramble. There's nothing you can click on your phone to take you through to that no. content. But that means you can't. So therefore you're kind of stuck right. in that content. And when you're on the bus listening to a podcast it's like isolation it's almost like cinema in a way it's just you're in there well, doing it, that thing and I think that's a beautiful thing the yeah. point, true but the point you made about the four hour podcast would it be great if you knew that you could get to the two hour 52 minute section for that particular segment of something you really wanted to hear you could easily do that you couldn't now unless you've got the printout with timestamps of where each topic is which we used to do in our show by the way it's a huge time consuming process and we stopped doing it so the only way you can search audio is if you've got a trans transcript of it uh, and uh, that surely isn't the future interesting uh, way to finish uh, puts it out there for people to well either pick up your your <laughs> ideas or uh, or come to us with, with it's some a great thoughts. medium think about this podcast is the only thing you could do when you do something else you can listen to a podcast and do something else oh, you can't do that with video you can't do that with written the written word printed but audio podcasting is perfect well, that's why radio is still listened to by more people than ever in, well certainly in the UK anyway. well actually it's because of the content I think yeah <laughs> <laughs> great content um, well I think we're uh, we're done on, on podcasting for, for today so um, just want to Thank again uh, you all for joining me, Tom Ollerton, Alistair Cole uh, of the Innovation Ramble, and of course, uh, Neville Hobson. Um, don't forget, if you want to get involved in this series of podcasts, uh, be that as a guest or perhaps even as we've been talking about it, you can come and sponsor us. Um, you can contact me on Twitter using at Russ Goldsmith. Um, it will also be great if you can, as we've been uh, saying a couple of times, subscribe to us on YouTube's, uh, uh, YouTube's. <laughs> I got to 38 minutes. 38 minutes. That was a good one. I like it. Are we back to the beginning now? <laughs> Could slice and dice that, surely. Can you believe it? <laughs> Why did I say YouTube's? Are you still recording? You're obviously still. 38 minutes. What a. I can't remember what I said. Just leave it in. It's hilarious. Well, maybe leave it in, actually. Particularly the. Yeah. Maybe not the. <laughs> bit. Well, the. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> 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 I cannot believe it. Last. <laughs> okay. Don't forget, if you want to get involved in this series of podcasts too, be that um, as a guest or perhaps even as we've been uh, talking about it today, sponsor us. Uh, you can contact me on Twitter using at Russ Goldsmith. Uh, also be great, um, also as we've been uh, asking you to do so, to subscribe to us on iTunes. And importantly, please do give us that rating and some feedback because it does help us up the charts as well. Next month, we're talking about social media within public services. So if you've got any questions for my guests on that show, please do tweet them to me. But until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.